you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. I'm chatting today with uh, Russell Lamberti, a top economist from Sarkalika, who's been pretty vocal um, about mandatory vaccinations, passbooks and so on within, within the workplace. Good afternoon, Russell. Trust you're well and welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Rob. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to, to be with you. Thank, thanks for this opportunity. Ah, the pleasure's all, pleasure's all ours. Believe, believe me. You've been very vocal in, in, in this space and issued a fantastic letter and, and plan of action. Um, should vaccine mandates and passbooks be introduced to, to the workplace? Do you want to give us a bit of a, a rundown on, on that? Sure, Rob. Look, you know, our, our position at Sarkalicha is that is that we don't take a position on the vaccine itself. We're not interested in in getting into the the vaccinology of this particular issue, into the efficacy and, and the safety of vaccines, and and into the medical aspects of of vaccinations. There's there's plenty of extremely you know smart, well qualified people who are having that particular debate, um, and that debate you know goes on daily. Um, we see we see you know very uh, uh, deep discussions about um, about the, the the efficacy of the vaccine and 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 what it can and can't do in respect of different uh, strains of the virus and so on. And that's that's not our domain at all. Um, for for us, this is you know squarely an issue of whether we want to live in a monitored society where the state gets to control. Uh, and monitor people, gets to control access and gets to leverage control over businesses and how they are to um, allow people uh, to work um, at their companies, how they are to regulate access. Um, and what this really becomes is a kind of not so much vaccine uh, passport system as much as an immunity passport system, an immunity pass system, a, a way of surveilling um, people's health permanently, a kind of bodily surveillance system that can get set up. We are extremely concerned about about where this has the potential to go to. This is not, I don't think, I don't think this should be seen as some sort of benign idea where we're just trying to get people healthy and get back to normal life. Even if that is some people's intention, and I have no doubt that's exactly what you know many people's intention is, I think we're fooling ourselves if we think that giving the state these sorts of surveillance and monitoring powers um, is a good idea and that these are ever going to be relinquished by the government. And we've got several examples of of policies that have been instituted over the last 10 or 20 years that just don't be, uh, get relinquished by the government. And so you get this bureaucracy creep, this, this, this uh, power creep by the state, and it continues to grow and grow, and, and and you know has several deleterious effects. Not least of which is an enormous compliance burden on businesses, growing you know by the year. Um, and and what this is doing is stifling new entrepreneurship, new business formation, new capital formation, job creation. We've got a, an absolute jobs bloodbath in this country, and the last thing we can afford is a is a highly draconian uh, monitoring system like this. For businesses, that's the business aspect. Last point on this, the social aspect, I think, is extremely important. Um, we risk 
doing tremendous harm to the the social and, and political order um you know by by creating a, a, an intense division between people along vaccinated and unvaccinated lines or immune enough and not immune enough lines um and i think that can create the kinds of divisions that that could be lasting and could do to great damage to to our society so i think this is the kind of area that has to be approached with the 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 utmost um caution and and wisdom as we consider just um doing something to society that in many respects is extremely radical definitely Russell and what you what you brought up here is is rather concerning i mean you you see the effects within within the business uh, business market quite quite considerably as that is is your place but you know the government seems to be taking advantage of the business sector to drive those what what you call draconian regulations why why are businesses afraid to to take a stand and why are some other businesses not afraid to take a stand what what's the differentiating factors there that's a that's a tough question rob i think i think that um first firstly i think some business owners and manage uh, you know and management teams um in good faith uh really think that it's a good idea to to uh encourage and perhaps even compel their workforces to to be vaccinated they think that this is the lesser of all sort of evils at the moment and that this is a way to ensure safety and that their workforce doesn't suffer from from this virus and, and, and you know that their workplaces are healthy and that they're taking responsibility for the health of their workplaces. I, I think a lot of that comes from a good place. Um, and I think that there's business owners and management teams who who think the opposite, who think that uh, instituting a, you know a system of, of compulsion to get vaccinated, Risks um, causing tremendous divisions within their workforce, uh, potentially uh, risks, you know, certain kinds of legal liabilities against them. You know, if you're compelling people to get vaccinated, you do start to open yourself up to to certain liabilities, to certain legal liabilities. The labor law in South Africa is going to start being invoked um, on some of these areas. And of course, um, if you're compelling someone to to take a medical intervention. Um, are you prepared to shoulder the liabilities of, of any kinds of side effects or, or adverse reactions or so on? Um, these are all very, very tricky and, and, and thorny questions. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of management teams, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners are, are, are going to take the approach. Um, and I think it's probably in general the wise approach, which is to, to sort of step back and say, you know, this is an exceedingly complex phenomenon. This is a virus that we can't see that you know, mutates and, and, and does various things that viruses do that, that are extremely difficult to predict. Every individual human being is, is extremely unique and different and has different uh, dimensions of immunity from vaccination to natural immunity to, to, you know, genetically strong or weak immune systems to whether they're stressed or getting enough sleep or whether they're overweight or how old they are. You know, the, 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 the dimensions of this are, are multiply complex. And so I think a lot of business owners are are staring into the into the abyss of that complexity, as it were, and sort of saying, well, you know, probably the 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 best course of action here is to allow people to manage their own risks and to kind of make accommodation for people as as best as possible within the within the corporate environment. So if 
people are feeling extremely vulnerable at this time and if they have a job where they can work from home then of course by all means they should they should be doing that um, and you know this is just a, a tough navigation exercise for a lot of business owners um, and and so as I say some are approaching that complexity with a more uh, I suppose with with you know somewhat more humility in the face of that complexity and saying you know we actually don't know the answer here we're going to kind of put that down to the individual to to navigate that and to decide for themselves and that's how they're going to navigate that complexity the alternative approach is in the face of that complexity you sort of take a technocratic approach where you you target a particular um, metric and companies are good at targeting simple metrics um, so they can target, um, you know, how many people will actually get um, a vaccine, a jab in the arm. That's something measurable. It's something that can be ticked off. It's something that a compliance officer can kind of, uh, you know, tick off and 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 do. Um, and so, a lot of companies that are prone to that sort of compliance bureaucracy are, are, you know, going to be partial to that sort of route. And that's generally going to be your, your larger companies. So I think there's those, there's those dimensions to it, Rob. And then finally, I think that there is a, there is a kind of social pressure dimension to this. Large companies are very much in the public eye. They face very different, uh, political and regulatory risks than do small businesses. They face very different brand, um, risks than do small businesses. Their brands are far more, um, visible. Um, and so there's that. Dynamic to it. I, I think all I would say to to the the whole question here is, you know, I think I think discretion is the better part of valor. I think caution is 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 very critical here. And I think um, in the face of such complexity, we think caution is is wise. Let's also not forget that we're dealing with autonomous individual human beings here, um, who who have bodily autonomy, who have dignity, um, and who have rights not only inalienable rights, but uh, rights enshrined in the constitution and protected in law. And I think companies have to be very careful how they treat their individual employees, um, not just from a legal perspective, but from the perspective, as, as we like to say, of, of wisdom. Is it wise to, to compel and to force people to do things that go against their will and their conscience? And will that lead to a harmonious working environment? And I think these are the critical questions that have to be asked um, by by business managers, uh, and our view is that we need to allow for a diversity and a plurality of approaches here. Some businesses are going to take very different approaches. Some of them are going to make mistakes. Some of them some of them are going to get things right. We also need need to allow the ability for businesses to course correct. If they make a decision, can they reverse it? Can they change it? And we need we need the the flexibility to be able to change our decisions and and, and fix mistakes. And our argument is that state mandates, laws that compel certain uh, uh, definite policies are, are too rigid and don't allow for this kind of flexibility. Rob? No, that, is, that is exactly exactly the point I was going to bring up next. Is it, It's all well and good for, for a company to introduce uh, policies or internal policies and ideas and uh, divorce those on, on workers and employees. But when government steps in, and mandates those policies and enforces individuals. They kind of overrule um, individual rights and through the through the companies and overwrite uh, company uh, policies and such. Yeah, I have to ask the question: the danger, because the danger here is definitely, and there's no end to this. When government introduces policy, it it doesn't put an expiry date on it. They just 
keep it going until someone challenges it or Correct. brought up in parliament. So, you know, where where's the threat lie here? And then should should companies be standing up to that and saying, hang on a second, let's, as you correctly say, let's rather uh, manage this by, by ourselves. We don't need government oversight. You know, but before I, I finalize that question, I think it's it's important to say that there's good signs from both sides on on this issue. So you can't really argue it from, from either point and expect to win from either point because we really don't know what's going on. It's unknown territory for, for all of us. But um, what what are the real threats of of this policy being enforced by, by government, uh, considering that there is no no real end data inside? Where could this lead lead to? Yeah, that's that's I think a critical question, Rob. Let me let me sort of preface my answer by by just saying that you know let, let's give some credit to the other side of the argument, but then address I think address their core concern. So so the issue on the other side here is to say we need to we need to institute vaccine mandates because we need everyone vaccinated, and getting everyone vaccinated is the way out of this this whole pandemic. It's the, it's the way. To, to freedom, as it were, it's the way back to a normal life. Now, that's that's a very sort of on the surface a compelling kind of idea, right? N- none of us want to be in COVID. We all want to be past this, and we all want it behind us, and we all want to get on with our lives without uh, this this crazy world that we've been in for the last twenty twenty months or so. Um, we can all agree on that. I think I think though that it's a mistake. I think it's a it's a it's a mistaken assumption to think that this is the way out. And in fact, I think the opposite is true and I think we're seeing this very clearly now globally is the the more draconian uh the 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 vaccine rules and and mandates, the, you know, the more um the more heavy-handed the policies, the 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 more likely we are actually to not return back to normal, but to have a perpetual state of of uh, uh, discomfort, unease, uh, fear, and ultimately abnormal uh, conditions. You know, in in, in Europe at the moment, uh, in, you know, in in various places, we've got terribly abnormal conditions, um, yet very very high vaccination rates and very very strongly compelled vaccination to the point of. You know, locking down unvaccinated people and denying them certain uh, public, you know, privileges and so on, uh, access to to certain things, and yet we're not seeing these places really normalise. Um, you know, we've got places like Australia where there's very very strong uh, uh, push for vaccines and, and and compulsion for vaccines, and yet. We've got it incredibly in certain states in Australia, incredibly draconian uh, rules, and and life really isn't getting back to normal. Um, so I th- I think this is a, first and foremost a faulty assumption. This idea that that restrictions will end when when we compel vaccinations, I think, is just not borne out um, in 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 facts. It's not borne out in reality, and I think this is this leads to the next important point here, Rob, which is that lockdown was wrong. And was not necessary before we even had a vaccine, right? Lockdowns were wrong in 2020 when there was no vaccine. Lockdowns have proven to be immensely devastating economically. They, as a result of, of the economic damage they do, they do tremendous damage to health. 
you know, wealthy societies are healthy societies. And um, when you take a sledgehammer, as it were, to the social order and to wealth creation, as we did in 2020, you you create tremendous uh, knock-on health problems that are that we're going to feel for for several years to come. Lockdowns do do enormous damage and are almost uniformly uh, regarded as 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 being ineffective. There's no there's no compelling data to show that countries that locked down hard um, had any better outcomes than countries that did not. And in fact, in some cases, they had they had worse outcomes, like South Africa, like Peru. Um, like several other countries, uh, and and then there's obvious cases like Sweden, uh, and then in a place like the United States, like places like Florida and Texas that have have been open for a very long time now, and essentially are sailing through this, uh, certainly no worse than than anyone else. So lockdowns don't work, and it, therefore, uh, the path to ending lockdown is ending lockdown. It's not vaccination. That's a um, that th- that is a false choice. Uh, and, and I think we need to, we need to really emphasize that strongly. Lockdowns can end, uh, right away. They don't need any kind of, uh, vaccination take up. And we must remember that the first rationale for this, Rob, right at the beginning was to slow down infection rates so that hospitals could prepare themselves. That was it. That was what we were sold Absolutely. right at the beginning. And, uh, we've now, the goalposts have shifted to now you need, if you want to, if you want to get out of, you know, lockdown and restrictions, you know, you need booster shots and you need uh, vaccine passports and you need, all, you know, uh, compulsion. So we, we have to kind of snuff that out, you know, right at the outset and say that that is a f- completely false choice. And that is not how you get out of uh, get out of lockdown. Sorry to interrupt there. What, what you said there is, is vitally important. You know, the South Africans, the rest of the world has a, a high vaccination rate, yet they still have the same stringent measures that, that, that we face here with a 25% uh, vaccination rate. There's no way government can introduce a, a, a mandate or mandate for, for vaccines with only 25% of the population being, being vaccinated. Or should I say fully vaccinated as, as the goalposts do definitely keep shifting on the pure definition of fully vaccinated. Uh, yeah. I mentioned in the intro there that it was one vaccine, then it was two, then it was two plus a booster, and now we've seen uh, countries across the world talking the fourth, uh, fourth shot, fifth shot, sixth shot, and, and and so on. That's madness. You can't have something establish a policy in an in an unstable, unknown environment. Yeah, Rob. So again, I'm not at Sarkalicha. We're not we're not here to comment on on the vaccinology of the problem and, and the safety and efficacy of these things, but but. What you've just highlighted is very critical. This is, this is a problem with, you know, so many dimensions of complexity, right? You have, you have the individual person's, uh, immunity and immune system. Okay. This is affected by multiple variables, uh, including vaccination. Um, you then have a situation of mutation of the virus, which is, you know, very, very difficult to, to understand and to track with any kind of degree of certainty. Um, and then, of course, you have waning <clears throat> immunity, both when it comes to natural antibodies um, and, and when it comes to vaccination itself. This is now uh, not, not a controversial statement at all. It's, it's now widely accepted, in fact, reported by, by all the credible, uh, uh, you know, medical uh, centers of authority that, um, 
that vaccine efficacy wanes over a few months and therefore boosters are required. So now you're dealing with additional vaccines called booster shots. Um, you've got different levels of antibodies doing the rounds. You've got waning vaccine efficacy. You've got, um, I suppose, growing uh, skepticism and hesitancy about the whole program because we never seem to be getting back to normal despite promises. So you've got that sort of social and political dimension to this now. So you look at this cauldron. I mean, let's call it something like a cauldron of complexity. Um, and you now want a government that can't make ESCOM work, that um, told us we couldn't buy, you know, warm chicken or cold chicken or, you know, you know whether we could wear open shoes or closed shoes or, you know, which shelves we could buy off during the first lockdown. We want to give these bureaucrats who have, by all accounts, managed this lockdown and, and, and COVID situation extremely poorly. I mean, let's not forget that South Africa has, has experienced one of the worst per capita death rates uh, for our age profile in the world. Um, our hospital capacity is, is poor and, and, and we know that it's corrupt. We want to put in the hands of these bureaucrats um, this cauldron of complexity for them to manage. Uh, it, it is completely completely untenable rob it's it's this is a fantasy um and so what's more likely to happen because it's such a fantasy is that we think that the risk is that the government will try and instrumentalize businesses that they will try and force the the compliance uh, burden onto corporate sa um using their sophisticated systems and data management systems um, because you know the government knows that it actually can't it can't run and manage mm-hmm. something like this, and so I think I think a big risk is that it tries to instrumentalize businesses, um, and so that's I think probably where the where the fight needs to be is not so much that we're going to get um, one size fits all rules that the state uh, plans to enforce and monitor, but rather that we're going to get some kind of legal enabling legal environment that allows uh, companies to be instrumentalized in this way. Um, takes liability away from companies uh, through some sort of national public um, insurance system or or, um, or kind of compensation fund, as it were, um, and, and in that way sort of co-opts and encourages businesses to, to start implementing vaccine mandates, but in a way that it doesn't look like it's directly coerced and forced by the state. And I think that's probably the biggest sort of risk area that we've got to look at, and, and I think that's that's something we've got to be we've got to be guarded against. Definitely, I think we we're gonna take a quick break, and after the quick break, I think we will definitely go more more in, into that. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. Chatting today with Russell Lamberti about what businesses can can do and the problems that businesses face with regards to the COVID mandates that are on the horizon. Russell, we are chatting about briefly, you, you were touching on the subject there of what businesses can do, what measures they can take and, and preventative measures they, they can put in place or proactive measures. Do you want to give us a bit more about that? Well, look, I mean, you know, I, I, again, I think, I think to get back to Sarkalich's core, core argument here is, you know, we are precisely not trying to, to prescribe to businesses what they can and, 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 and should do. I think that 
you know, that we, we've been against you know, the golden thread that runs through our reactions and, and stance, you know, since March 2020, since this all hit, is that there's no one solution for 60 million people. 60 million people are different, they're diverse, they've got, you know, several, you know, they're diverse in multiple dimensions. There are different ages, different risk profiles. Some of them are unemployed. Some of them are wealthy and retired. Some of them can work from home. Some of them can't, you know. So, so one size fits all solutions is, you know, th- that is the nexus of so many of the worst mistakes of history, right? Th- th- that is, that is collectivism. Uh, th- that is treating a population as though they were homogenous units, uh, at, at the, at the whim of, of, you know, a command council. Um, that that is not the route we want to go. It's a, it's a it's a destructive route and it's a dangerous route. So that is that is the overarching idea here, and that that pervades our thoughts on lockdowns, and of course also on the potential for for vaccine uh, for vaccine mandates. So we say to we you know our view is to say to business owners, you know you've got very very unique circumstances your size is unique where you are the kind of work you do whether your staff can work from home or not the, the, the makeup of your of your team um and then your stakeholders you know how do your investors shareholders uh you know what what are their considerations uh what about your customers and how they're going how are they going to react to to your policies whichever way you go um, and, and the simple fact is that neither Sarkalicha nor the government nor anyone else can, can prescribe this to businesses. I think as, as a general piece of sort of guidance, we would say this is exceedingly complex. As I say, it's a cauldron of complexity. So approach it as such. Don't think that this is just flick a switch and you've got a solution. So I think approach it with the, the understanding of, of tremendous complexity. Um, and approach it uh, with the the understanding that you're doing so within a constitutional order uh, and within a constitutional context, and that you're dealing with individual people, um, and that I think this is critical, Rob. That this is a highly emotive and highly charged issue. Okay, and as a result, respect people's differences on this. And I think respecting people's differences on this is to first and foremost respect their thought process, their decision-making faculties, and their consciences. You know, people, to, to force someone to do something against their core conscience, uh, one's got to have an, an incredibly compelling reason to do so. Um, and so I think to, 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 to violate the consciences of people um, that are vehemently opposed to what you would have them do uh, comes with a tremendous cost and potentially tremendous consequences, and I think people need to think very, very carefully and considerately, you know, through those through those sorts of issues. Um, you know, I just want to say that you know, f- you know, vaccination rates in some of these uh, compelled or, or semi-forced programs that we're seeing are getting up to eighty or ninety percent of companies. Now, I don't know what kind of uh, uh, sort of friction or, or, or relationship damage is being done in that process. Um, but what I will say is that if you've got 10 or 20% of staff, and let's say you're a 10,000 people business, I mean, that's obviously a very big business, but let's say a big business has 10 or 20% of people unvaccinated who must now be uh, uh, punished, as it were, in some way. You know, you're looking at one to 2,000 staff that have to be relocated 
uh, reprioritized, perhaps you know, slowly forced out of the business. Um, so, so the, the the sort of labor shock dimension of this is is not to be underestimated. It's it's tremendous. And then, of course, if you're talking about things like barring the unvaccinated from your premises, whether you're a shop or, or some sort of wholesale outlet or whatever it might be, or you, or you don't let unvaccinated suppliers uh, come onto your premises or anything like that. Um, you know, you, you can do that, but, but you have to live with the consequences of that. And, and the consequences could be brand, uh, uh, damage. Um, the consequences could be tremendous, uh, bad will towards, towards your company. You, you might make certain people, many people very, very angry. And as you've pointed out, if, if only 40, just under 40% of all adults in the country, um, are vaccinated, um, you're essentially excluding the vast majority of South Africans, and that's not going to sit well with a lot of people. So there are, are, are tremendous uh, amounts of considerations to be taken into account, and our message to businesses out there is make these decisions very carefully, very cautiously. Do not rush into anything. And uh, for, you know, <laughs> above all else, um, get excellent legal advice and proceed with compassion. Absolutely, and like I say, there's, there are so many um, almost hidden hidden consequences to to this. We're going to take a quick break and then end off with uh, how you can protect your business from from this. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. Indeed, democracy doesn't just happen. It definitely requires input from all of us as individuals. So I've been chatting to uh, Russell and Bertie about what you can do for your business and how you can protect your business against uh, draconian measures forced in by government through vaccine mandates. Uh, Russell, how can businesses protect themselves? What's the easiest course of action for them? <laughs> well, Rob, look, there's, there's several things businesses can do. Obviously, first and foremost, you know, being alert, um, staying, staying well legally advised is, is definitely critical. You know, at Sarkalicha, we're building a really strong independent business community. We, uh, communicate with our members on a, on a daily and weekly basis. We give them the best information that, that we can about evolving situations and about how to think about some of these thorny topics. Um, our members are, running at a number of around uh, 12,000 at the moment, and we're growing. Um, so we're very excited about about that. Um, our members fund us each month with, with 100, 300, or 1,000 rand a month, um, and that allows them to be part of a, a, a really uh, exciting and growing community of businesses that resist state intrusion um, and that really are trying to build a state-proof business community and an independent Business community that 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 resists uh, government intervention and excessive government involvement uh, in their decision makings, and in the process funds us to do what we do, which is to is to fight court cases on their behalf, to resist the state using the the, the present rules of the game, as it were, uh, but also to increasingly build uh, parallel uh, institutions of order. Um, amidst a failing state, Rob, the, the government is failing on so many dimensions. We saw this most starkly in July in KwaZulu-Natal where the police and the security forces essentially just failed outright. Um, and we're starting to, to build and continuing to build 
um, a community of businesses and an institutional framework that um, that can replace uh, failing state institutions um, as as the government fails the citizens of the country. So we're very excited about that process, and I think when it comes to something like this, we will resist and we will fight against state-enforced uh, vaccine mandates and immunity passports because we think that's the path to tyranny and to the monitored and surveilled society, and uh, that is not uh, what we have in mind for, gov- for for business flourishing. Definitely, definitely, and I could not agree more with, with you, Russell. It's been an absolutely fantastic chat, and I really appreciate your time. Take it out of your busy, busy schedule to to join us today and explain explain the issues and uh, help help businesses out there that definitely need it. Thank you, Russell, and we'll definitely chat soon. Thanks, Rob. It's been a great pleasure. Take care.